let me ask you, what kind, of what kind of thoughts are floating around in your head right now? Are you thinking like, oh Lord, he just told another dumb joke up here, now what's next? Uh, yeah, so, <laughs> that was a gem. Thank you, David. Uh, are you thinking it's been a blessing being here worshiping and fellowship today on Shabbat? Or are you thinking about those bagels and cream cheese downstairs? I know they're waiting down there. Are you thinking about, am I going to learn something today with what this guy's sermon is going to be? Or are you thinking about getting home and taking that nice Shabbat nap? Well, our theme verse that I want to talk about this morning is Romans 12.2. And Robert, if you could pull that up right now. And this is a very powerful and famous verse in the New Covenant. Let's read it. It says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. This is one of the most powerful verses in the Bible. Renewing your mind, or in today's English, basically saying changing your mind, changing the way you think. Let me tell you, God is far more interested in changing your mind than changing your circumstances. We want God to change our circumstances. That's our nature. We want him to do. We always say, please, God, can you take away these troubles? Can you take away the hurt, the sorrows, the conflicts I'm having with people at work, at home, etc.? But let me tell you, no change takes place in your life until you change your thought life. Why is it important to manage my thought life? Well, first of all, my thoughts control my life. That's right. Every action begins as a thought. It's not the other way around. You think it first, then it happens. If you don't think it, you don't do it. That applies to both good and bad things. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. See, in the ancient world, the heart referred to the innermost hidden emotional and intellectual and moral activity of a person. It's, it's, that's what's our thought life. If you accept a thought, whether it is right or wrong, it shapes your life. It changes your life, what you think. It doesn't have to be true. If you believe it, it's going to shape your life. Even if it's a lie, if you believe it, it's going to make the changes in your life. It's going to change. So, our thoughts control our life. Number two, my mind is a battleground for sin. All temptation begins in the mind. Whether it's sins of pride, lust, bitterness, anger, any of these types of sin-type thoughts, these temptations, all begin in your mind. If you learn to manage your mind, you will learn to manage your life. For it says in Romans chapter 7, in verses 22 and 23, here's what Paul says. He says, For in my inner being I delight in the Torah, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner 
of the law of sin at work within me. Sometimes you are conscious of that battle and sometimes you're not. Sometimes you're unconscious of it. It can get to be intense at times. So intense because your mind is your greatest asset. That is why Satan wants to control it. That's why the world wants to control it. Whatever gets, in, gets your attention gets you. Whatever gets your attention gets at you. And the third thing is, it's the key to our peace and happiness. Think of it this way. An unmanaged mind leads to tension. A managed mind leads to tranquility. An unmanaged mind will lead to pressure and conflict. A managed mind leads to strength and peace. And we can see that in Romans chapter 8, verse 6. Again, this is quoting from Paul. For the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the Ruach is life and shalom. The mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the spirit is life and peace. These are three choices we can make on a daily basis in order to have a healthy mind. People like to think that they can't control their thoughts, but only you can control your thoughts. You choose. God gave you the free will to choose. The three choices, starting with number one, I must feed my mind with truth. I must feed my mind with truth. We all know that in order to feed our bodies, we must eat good, healthy, nutritious food, right? A steady diet of Dunkin' Donuts, McDonald's Big Macs, 7-Eleven Big Gulps isn't going to be good for you in the long run. We must feed our minds not with junk, but with truth. Yeshua said, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. How did Yeshua respond when he was tempted by Satan? Remember after he'd been in the desert for 40 days, didn't have anything to eat? He was pretty stretched out, hungered, right? What was his reply to Satan when he was tempting him? He replied, in, it's written in Matthew 4, verse 4. He said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Yeshua quoted, he said, it is written. He went back to the source, the Torah, God's, God's word. He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. The Bible is our soul food here. When should you feed on the truth? Let me say, studies have shown that it is better to eat more frequent meals a day rather than to gorge on a couple of large meals. Think about that. Is, is it healthier? Is it better for you to say, well, I'm going to starve myself all day and then tonight I'm just going to have this big meal? What happens? You feel bloated, you feel tired, you feel sleepy, and then the rest of the day you're hungry, you're stressed out. If you eat smaller meals, if you space them over the, the day, you'll be healthier. It keeps your blood sugar level, it keeps your energy level. Think about that in regard to reading and absorbing 
God's Word, studying His Torah, taking that on in your mind a little bit each day. Start in the morning. It's okay to have your cup of coffee, but, but you know, but open the Bible, read a little bit, and have that coffee with it. All right? Enjoy. Maybe at lunchtime, you know, when you're having your, your meal or something. If nothing else, think about some scripture verses you can, you can recite in your mind. Eating those little bit of meals during the day helps to regulate your blood sugar, regulate your energy. That's the same thing with feeding your mind, right? Psalm 119, verse 147 says, this was quoting from David. He says, I am up before dawn crying for help. I put my hope in your word. You know there are over 7,000 promises in God's word. 7,000. Prayer and Bible study. Learning and memorizing the promises in God's word. It's feeding your mind with healthy food. There's, the Psalms are just full of these, these quotes that help and can help us remember and bring us back to those thoughts. Again, in, in Psalm 119, this time in verse 97, he says, Oh, how I love your Torah. It is my meditation all day. He puts it on all day. He's feeding himself on those positives, those strengths, right? Those promises of God, those over 7,000 promises. Another one, Psalm 16, 7. Psalm 16, verse 7. It says, I will bless Adonai who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. You know, these are all quotes from, from David. Remember, oh, you know, we tend to sometimes think, oh, David, he was king, you know, he's man after uh, God's own heart, all this great stuff. But we don't remember all the tough times. How about all those years he was running around in the desert, hi, you know, hiding in caves? Saul was after him, trying to kill him all the time. You know, not so good times. Or even when he became king, then he had one of his own sons, Absalom, turn on him. You know, he didn't always have, ah, just this perfect, wonderful life, you know, king, you know, but, you know, no, all right? Life is not like that. But he always went back to God. He always went back to God's word. That's where he renewed, he strengthened. And finally, Psalm 119, verse 95. I'm keeping Robert really busy back there. I got, I got a lot of Bible verses for this thing. Thank you, Robert. You do an awesome job. Yes. Yeah, over 7,000. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the wicked wait for me to destroy me, but I will study your testimonies. You see, David quietly kept his mind. David kept his mind on the truth even though the circumstances were not so great all the time. I know your circumstances are not always great. But let's bring it back to God's promises, God's word, okay? That's renewing. That's changing our thinking. Okay, so these choices we have to make. One is feeding my mind with truth. Number two, Free my mind from destructive thoughts. Free your mind from destructive thoughts. Your mind needs to be delivered. You're a prisoner of your own thoughts. 
if you have been told you won't amount to anything and you believed it, you won't. And I know some of you have experienced that when you were growing up. You were told, you're never not going to amount to nothing. You know, why bother applying for college? You're not going to make it. Why bother applying for that job? You're not going to get it. If you start believing all those negatives, then it becomes true because you start to fulfill those things. If you tell yourself you are a failure, you will fail. It doesn't matter if it's true or not. If you believe it, what, if you believe what is not true, it will come to pass in your life. Free your mind from destructive thoughts. This is not so easy, but you have three forces that battle against you. And I think you're going to recognize these. These are the things that you battle in your mind. Number one, the word talks about your old man nature, your old nature. Romans 7.23 that we talked about, right? Paul used war language when he was talking about this law in his working against the Torah in his mind. He says waging war. He used terms of warfare. It is a battle. It is a spiritual warfare. Do you ever find yourself doing things you don't want to do? Well... That's the battle. You find yourself saying, I know this isn't good for me, but, you know, it's, I know having a third piece of chocolate cake is not good for me, but, but it, there, there's so many there, and it's just going to go to waste, you know? I don't want, you know. See, your old nature is the source of your bad habits. Question, I mean, who is in control? You're in control. We're going to talk about Satan in a minute. Satan can't control you because yeah, we're going to go with it. But he can try to influence. He's going to try to whisper. right? Who is in control? That's your old man nature that you battle against. So, and the second thing we struggle against, hello, fly. <laughs> Maybe a satanic fly or something here. I don't know. Uh, number two, Satan. See, he wants to control your mind, but he can't. Now, let me be clear. Satan cannot force a believer to do anything. Because greater is he that is in you that is in the world. That's such a quote. That's the kind of thing, the spiritual food that you can put in your, quote, in your mind to say, Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. But he does try to place negative thoughts in your mind. A great book to read about that is The Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis. I don't know if anybody's read that. C.S. Lewis, the man who wrote The Chronicles of Narnia and many other wonderful books, okay? The whole thing is a correspondence letters from Screwtape, who is a devil spirit talking to his nephew, Wormwood, about trying to how to influence this, you know, this new believer. And just put, you know, just, he tries to work with him in different ways. It's like, you know, just consider, uh, you know, maybe it's something that's not quite as good or something. Or, or think about when, you know, he's sitting and hearing a sermon about, why don't you just, you know, 
get him to want, you know, his mind to wander, think about the people that are in the pews instead of listening, or, or maybe, you know, think about what, you know, just anything to get him off of what's important, what's, get his mind off the truth of God's word. And it's, that's, that's just trying to, those little things. And uh, it, it's a great book to read, and it's, you know, he refers to, like, dealing with what Screwtape is talking about, the enemy, he's talking about God in this case, because these are uh, satanic spirits. But anyway, you don't have to accept every thought. See, that can be very liberating. Just because you think it, it isn't necessarily true. The stuff you think about yourself, the stuff you think about God, about your spouse, about your brother, your sister, your co-worker, you know, if, if you start hearing this like in that little you're not going to have a good day today. You know, he got up, it's, it's cloudy, it's thunderstorm. You're not going to have a good day today. You know, you're going there, they're not going to like you. Or the thing with the chocolate cake, go ahead, you deserve it. You had a rough day today, you know. That's, that's, that's all right, it's, I'll just take it. You know, you don't have to f- follow the rules. Or, well, you're just celebrating, you know, that's okay. Just this once. When Satan gives you a thought, we call it temptation. When God gives you a thought, we call it inspiration. Then we come to our own thoughts, and we call that sometimes stupidity. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, 11, and I, I don't have this one up here. It says, Paul said, I've forgiven that man so that Satan won't outsmart us. For we are very familiar with his evil schemes. You see, what he was referring to there, he was having difficulties with a person, right? They were, they were having arguments, they were having differences. But he says, I'm going to go ahead and forgive this guy because I don't want Satan to get in there and try to influence me or him and just let this thing blow up even worse, out of control. Satan wants to keep you in bitterness. He wants to keep you in bondage. So we deal with old man nature. We deal with Satan. Third, we deal with the world's value systems. That's the culture around you. Does anything in our culture encourage self-discipline? No, no. No, every advertiser is saying, you deserve a break today. We do it all for you. Here's one I remember growing up. Schaefer is the one beer to have when you're having more than one. Well, how many you're supposed to have? Like one is not enough. I got to have two, three, four. It's like, oh, this is real, you know, edifying positive behavior. Or here's the real good one. Here is uh, Mountain Dew. Obey your thirst. Oh, I, I just, you know, I, I'm sorry. I couldn't control my thoughts. It's, it's. I had to obey. I had to drink that two-liter bottle of Mountain Dew. You see, advertising. And our culture is. Pro- it's promoted by the movies, TVs, the celebrities, you know, if, uh, geez, you know, if, if, if Brad Pitt endorses it or something, you know, well, it's got to be good then, right, you know, or Taylor Swift or somebody, you know, we got to it's, it's in It's in culture, it's in TV, celebrities, songs, you name it. Okay. Here, here's a couple verses, Rob, I, I forgot to put these in up, so I'm going to just have to quote these here. I, I, I give him a break. Jeez. 
1 John chapter 2, verse 16. For everything in the world, the desire of the flesh, the desire of the eyes, and the boasting of life is not from the Father, but from the world. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not wage war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not fleshly, but powerful through God for the tearing down of strongholds. We are tearing down false arguments and every high-minded thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. We are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Messiah. This is warfare language because it's a spiritual battle going on in your mind. What is a stronghold? A stronghold is any lie that you believe. Things like, God doesn't love me. Or, I know better than God. I know what I need. Materialism, hedonism, secularism. Things, thoughts like, I can never forgive that person. Or, I can never forgive myself. It's a lie that you are believing. The Bible calls Satan the father of lies. Yeshua said, I am the truth, and the truth shall set you free. We are to take captive, we are to conquer, we are to make it obedient, the thoughts in our minds. So how do you make your mind mind? My thoughts often want to rebel. My mind wanders. When I was preparing for this sermon, I have my little office upstairs in, in my house, and that right there in Oregon Hill, I, you know, I started to get distracted. I hear some of the students riding up with their, with their skateboards up and down the street. Or I start wondering, because like, I got my guitars on the wall, I was like, oh, I haven't played that guitar in a while. That's, you know, those are the games that your mind, the battle that you play, it's like wandering off. The temptation is a process. James tells us, chapter 1 verses 14 and 15 but each one is tempted when he is dragged away and enticed by his own desire then when desire has been conceived it gives birth to sin and when sin is full grown it brings forth death so these are the steps falling into temptation number one is desire temptation takes a routine desire into runaway runaway type of desire, a routine desire to runaway desire. It's like catching fire, fanning the flames. Any of God's gifts can be misused and literally burn down your house, whether it's sex, sleep, money, eating. You know, all these things are good things when done proper according to the way God has designed them. But when we excess in them, that's when we have problems. So we have the desire first. Secondly, we have the doubt. We start to doubt that God loves you. We start to doubt God's word. Thirdly is the deception. It's using bait. Think about that. The, cer- the secret of good fishing is using the right kind of bait, isn't it? So what kind of bait does Satan use on you? You know, are you following after that sparkly, shiny thing just like the fish does? The wiggly worm, but you know there's a hook in there. You just kind of keep nibbling away, and then all of a sudden, 
you're stuck. Shiny, sparkly things like Las Vegas, sparkly, right? So the steps are desire, doubting, then the deception that he throws in there, and finally the disobedience and defeat. You see, you're free to make choices, but you're not free from the consequences. The best time to win the battle with temptation is before it begins. Psalm 119 and verse 112 says, I turned my heart to do your decrees forever to the very end. He said, I have made up my mind to obey your laws forever. He said, no matter what. We have to feed our mind on truth, on God's word, not on garbage. We must focus our mind on the right things. What are the right things to think about? Thinking about Yeshua. Remembering that Yeshua, the Messiah, who was raised from the dead, the seed of David, according to my good news, 2 Timothy chapter 2. And Hebrews 12, verse 3. Consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you may not grow weary in your souls and lose heart. Focusing our mind on the right things, focusing on what Yeshua accomplished for us, what he endured for us. Thinking about Yeshua, then thinking about others. Philippians 2.4 and Hebrews 10.24, which says, first of all, looking not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. In Hebrews, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good deeds. See, it's not about you. One of the quickest ways, the easiest ways to get away about thinking about negative thoughts, about dwelling on these temptations, is, is volunteering, is part of taking care of others, thinking about others. It does. It takes your mind off troubles because... and. It makes you feel good. You're helping someone else, and it helps you. It takes away the negatives. It reminds you, which God keeps telling you, that he loves you, and you are important to him. And you are important to the people around you. You make a difference. It's thinking about others. It's thinking about Yeshua, and it's thinking, lastly, about eternity. For in the word it says in Colossians 3, 2, Focus your mind on things above, not on things of earth. Focus your mind on things above, not on things of earth. And finally, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. He says, but it is written, things no eye has seen and no ear has heard that have entered the heart of mankind. These things God has prepared for those who love him. Think about that. You have a great future in store for you. Right? There's that old song, I think it's a hymn or something, this world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. You know? There's awesome things in store for our future. Ah, God is calling. Okay. Remember this, God is in control. He gives you free will to think the thoughts that you choose. He also gives you the tools to fight against the enemy. Number one is his word. Fill your mind with the truths in his word. 
He challenges you to prove his will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Shabbat Shalom.